Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcroft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening where we are set to continue our exploration into what I have called these intercessory keys, right? We have devoted each and every Friday to a response to your holy desire. What I have decided to do each and every Friday is to take up the question, how should we best respond to the question, can you pray for me? And as I've responded to that question, what I'm doing is going through these intercessory keys, and we are in the third intercessory key. And and by intercessory key, what I mean to say is that there are certain principles that we should be thinking about when someone asks us to uh, pray for them. Uh, Like I said from the outset, we've all received the question, can you pray for me? So the question then is, how do we respond to the question? Right? And so... What I'm doing in these intercessory keys is essentially explaining uh, out from my own studies and experience, well, 10 keys that might help you. Now, I am not saying that uh, these 10 keys are the end-all, be-all by no means, but what I am saying is that these are 10 keys that have enriched my experience of praying for others. And, And I shouldn't just say experience, but also understanding, because one of the things we are doing here each and every Friday is just not dotting a few I's and crossing a few T's as, a, as we set forth 10 keys. No, we are really exploring what these keys are about. So again, we are in the third intercessory key, praying on the spot. So tonight is praying on the spot part two. Now, if you were with us last week, you know that I put an emphasis on how we think about time. Why? Because prayer on the spot does not happen enough Because when we are asked to pray for someone, so often, what are we doing but rushing to the next thing, right? And rushing to the next thing, we miss the most important thing before us, which is the soul before us, and the call we have to be present to them in the here and now as opposed to later, right? So I have put an emphasis on this call we have to, when we are asked, can you pray for me, to pray for the person on the spot, Uh, We would be deeply offended by God if we heard him say, I'll get back to you, or I'll deal with that later. No, the golden rule applies here in spades. Treat others as you want to be treated. When it comes to intercessory prayer, for the person who has experienced someone praying for them on the spot, you know what I'm talking about right now. It is very uplifting. It is very encouraging. It is very consoling. So again, we spend our time together this evening reflecting upon the gift of time. I was thinking about some of the subject matter we talked about last week, and, and I was made to go to really an experience that I've had over the course of the past, oh, I don't know, uh, 13 years. As a parent of four children, uh, each year I have the pleasure of watching my children open gifts five times a year, right? Their birthday, and then, of course, Christmas. And each year, 
I sit back and watch my children spend more time playing with the bubble wrap the gift came in than the gift itself, right? I mean, I think we've all been there. If you're a parent listening to this radio program, you've been there. You're probably asking yourself the question, why in the world did I buy that expensive gift? I, I could have done, done just as well if I just gave them the bubble wrap. Not only would have the kids been just as happy, but you probably would have saved a lot of money, right? We've all been there. Now, as I reflect into that, it was in the most recent unpacking of gifts that I was made to ask myself another question. In what ways do I put aside what God has given to me as a gift? And it really was after a lot of reflection that the one word that was ringing in my ear was time. Time. Time is the one thing that on a personal level I tend to a grasp onto tightly. Why? Why do we do this? Well, as it has been observed by more than one person, time is the one gift that you can never replace. I mean, think about it. You can buy someone a gift, but that gift can be exchanged or that gift can be returned. You can give someone money, and if that person needs more money, then you give them more money. But in the end, Time is different than those kinds of gifts because you don't get time back. Once the present moment passes, it's gone. There's nothing you can do about it, right? And as I discussed last week, for so many of us, as time is viewed as the passing of minutes that regulate our day, we can kind of miss this point, a widely important point. How did we touch upon this last week? I mean, we have clocks, phones, iPads, and watches that help us to move swiftly from one commitment to another. I mean, if we have a 9 a.m. appointment and a 10 a.m. appointment, we lean into our timepieces, right, to move us along. When the clock strikes 9.50, we know it is time to wrap up the 9 o'clock appointment if we're going to make the 10 o'clock appointment. The minute we don't keep our 10 o'clock appointment, the rest of our day suffers. We've all been there. We keep our schedule by monitoring time. But is the lone purpose of time exclusively at the service of moving us along from one commitment to the next in our commitment-filled days? This was really the important question for us last week, right? And the answer is a resounding no. No. Time is not so much about the passing of seconds and minutes in the finite, if you will, but the infinite impact we can make with the infinite gift we have received, time. You see, my friends, when the seconds, minutes, and hours we spend with another become a burden, that should be a clue that maybe it is time to change the way we think about time. I tend to say there are not enough hours in a day to get done what I have to get done. That would be another clue that we need to adjust our perspective on time. Because God gave us the gift of time. Time should never be a burden. And certainly, be assured, God did get it right when he created the 24-hour day. He didn't come up a few hours short, right? Like so many of us uh, implicitly think when we say only if I had a few more hours. Because in the end, you and I both know, if you had a few more hours, what would you say? Only if I had a few more hours, because that's how we think. That's how we operate. Once we live out time as a gift, then the gift of a day will serve its purpose. 
bringing glory to God. And was this not underscored, heavily underscored last week when we were talking about the story of the the creation of days? The Hebrew word for day is yom. The Hebrew word yom is not so much about the horizontal in as much as it is about the vertical. It's not measured by clocks and our timepieces, but measured by purpose. When we talk about the seven days of creation, what our emphasis should not be on is the when, in as much as the why, the why being the purpose. Why did God create? Right? Let that be the first question we ask as it relates to the story of creation and the days in creation, because the Hebrew word for day, yom, translates really as the why, which is the purpose, to bring infinite glory to him. And of course, we share in this infinite glory. Why am I talking about this on this project that we are taking up and responding to, can you pray for me? Well, it's about disposition, my friends. You've already heard me touch upon this. Disposition is at the center of any good intercessory prayer. If you are not disposed to respond to the person before you, as I've said, how good is your prayer going to be? And for that matter, are you even going to bother to pray? That's really the question we're taking up here as we focus in on this topic of on the spot. We spend the time we do with reflecting into time itself because I'm concerned that we don't respond to the question, can you pray for me, because we are simply too busy. There's something called the demon of busyness. And the demon of business would always have us thinking that there's always something else we should be doing. Does Jesus talk about this? Of course he does. Of course he does. It's in the Sermon on the Mount, right? (laughs) Do not be preoccupied. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Be present to the present moment. Okay, as we round out our reflection on praying on the spot, I thought it would be helpful to consider the deep spiritual bond that exists between two of the seven spiritual works of mercy, praying for the living and the dead and comforting the sorrowful. Now, I thought we should consider this because it really is the death of a loved one or maybe the fear of the death of a loved one, that we are often asked the question, can you pray for me or can you pray for who but the loved one? In comforting the sorrowful, as it is with praying for the living and the dead, one conducts, I think, a ministry of presence. And here, Jesus ought to be our guide. Really, we could say that Jesus himself, when he was here on earth, did nothing but conduct a ministry of presence. And he did so with, with who? But those who, who were grieving a death. I mean, think about it. He went to be with mourners. When the widow of Nain lost her only son, he went to her and he was moved with pity for her. When the daughter of Jairus died, Jesus went to the home of the parents who were weeping and mourning. When Martha and Mary lost their brother, Lazarus, Jesus went to Bethany to be with them. And what did he do? He wept with them. Jesus went because his heart was about comforting the sorrowful. And as he comforted the sorrowful, he was conducting, again, what I would call this ministry of presence, a profound way to intercede on behalf of someone. 
And I bring this up because herein lies the importance of just not praying for them, but entering into the mystery of this great work of a spiritual work of mercy, comforting the sorrowful. Now, as it relates to prayer, we turn to St. Augustine, because St. Augustine says, within the context of prayer and comforting the sorrowful, that our sighs and tears are the intercessory prayer. And so it is that when people are sorrowful, their grief and tears are their prayer. And we do well to honor that rather than to say, don't be sad or cheer up or the worst thing, God cannot give us anything that we cannot handle. That's a good line, but all good lines have a time and place. Ultimately, my dear friends, a largely silent and respectful silence can be a way of honoring grief and signaling a true camaraderie. What's more, into that silence, we can be invoking the presence of the Holy Spirit and calling upon God the Father. How are you asking me to be present to my brother or sister in Christ? Amen. Amen. All right, let us close with a word of prayer. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.